Well, praise the Lord. Let's go in our Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. We'll look at a handful of verses today, and I may read them before you have time to turn there. But if you've got your Bible there, uh, if you've got a Bible with you today, at least start with me in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to try to paint a picture in 1 Corinthians 15, an overall picture of what is on my mind and my heart. A little while back, we did a thing on uh, the world is crazy. And we got some positive feedback, positive in the sense of the fact that it rang true and, you know, brought home some truths that uh, are, are needed for us as Christians to to grasp what's going on in the world around us today. And so this morning, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll look at some verses, and I, we're going to really need to pick it up a bit more of a passage than I had anticipated. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15, would you look down with me around uh, verse 35? To get what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We'll start around verse 35. But some. But some man will say. In other words some people. It's not a gender specific word. Some man will say. How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? So the apostle Paul is preaching to them, he's written to them, he's teaching them, he's reminding them about the two different lives. The one now, verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, but now is Christ risen. So he's talking about the two lives, the one you're going to live now here on earth and the one you're going to live off in the future. Now hang in there with me because my message isn't about heaven. You'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. Now watch. Verse 36, thou fool. Now he's not trying to be rude or excessive, but he's trying to shock them a little bit. Because people will say things. Uh, let me give you an example. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Now, when you hear somebody say that, it, you may not choose to say, well, you're a fool. But it is foolish, and they are a fool. I'll give you one. It has nothing to do with the message. Okay. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Well, if you're not wise, you're a fool. So people who are, who are duped by thinking that playing around with alcohol, for example, or any substance, but in your Bible, alcohol is the one that he uses because that has, is worldwide. People make it on every part of the world. They even find a way to make it in prison. Amen. So, the person who's deceived by alcohol is not wise. I don't care if he's a pastor. I don't care if he's an evangelist. I don't care if he's got five seminary degrees. He's not wise. And, and the more he tries to tell you, you can play with it. When it says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And he says, look not on it when it giveth its right. He said, don't walk around. You know, there's a fascination that the God of this world put in those alcoholic things. You know, the, the easiest way, it has nothing to do with the message. Well, it kind of does. But the easiest way to keep from anyone having a problem with alcohol is to not drink it. How about that? All right, so 
he said, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. Quickened means to, to grow. So you take seeds and you sow them, verse 37, that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. So you take a seed and you put it in the ground. Verse 38, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him into every seed his own body. So a carrot seed doesn't grow up looking like a watermelon and a watermelon seed doesn't grow up being a carrot. And if you didn't know better, you would, you would not figure out if you had seeds on there and you'd never seen seeds and the outcome of them, you wouldn't know what's going to turn. You would not know that little carrot, that little seed can turn into a big old bunch of carrots. You wouldn't know that that watermelon seed is going to turn into a vine of watermelons. Okay. It's different. See, verse 38, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him into every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of man, in other words, of mankind, of humans, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. If you've been around anything but maybe total absolute city life, you know this to be so. It's different. If you've ever cleaned or butchered or prepared any other thing, now, God willing, nobody with the sound of my voice has ever done that with the flesh of mankind, of men. But when it comes to these other creatures he's mentioned, a beast or a fish or another bird. Uh, verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's difference between earth, where we live, etc. There's difference between those stars out there. There's difference. Now watch. There is one glory of the sun another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star different from another star in glory. The glory is their brightness. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now watch, it is sown in corruption. If you've been around anything that had died, you know it starts corrupting. Oswald Chambers points out that the very thing that keeps you alive begins to degrade you, to disintegrate you when you die, and that is oxygen and air. It is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. Live forever. No aging. No signs of the curse of the fall whatsoever. Watch. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. If you kept your strength all the way through life, you'd never die. You say, well, if somebody took it away from you, well, then your, your body was weaker than that sword or that bullet or that sickness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. I'd like for you to mark the word natural. It is, sown in, it is sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual, mark that body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So when Adam, the first Adam, in the garden, when he fell, he said, in the day you eat thereof, you'll die. His spirit died and the rest of him died. Now, according to how he trusted God was where his soul and spirit went. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, a live spirit that can change the natural into the spiritual. We're never going to change the words in our Bible. Think of spiritual also as supernatural, above natural. We'll come back to that, but it's going to be a little bit. And he said that which, uh, how be it, 
that was not first which is spiritual, verse 46, but that which is, mark this for me, natural, but afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Now, keep in mind, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that's death. Sleep is when your body is put to rest. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now watch, for this corruptible, as in the natural, must put on incorruption, as in the spiritual, supernatural. And this mortal, something that can die, must put on immortality, something that'll never die. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, if we read on, you know, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Etc. I want to focus today, as we start this, and if you wish, go to chapter 2. Hang a left, go to chapter 2. I want to and keep something in 1 Corinthians 15 to, for your marker. I want to preach today on the natural world. The natural world. I believe with all my heart that Christians have lost sight of what the Bible teaches clearly about the natural world. Notice that he said the natural, the natural, the natural in 1 Corinthians 15. So when we're in this passage of scripture, he's talking about something that is earthy on earth, the natural world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Mark this verse, verse 14, okay? But, now that's like saying there's an exception to this or a contrast. And above it, he's talking about spiritual things. But the natural man, would you mark it? The natural man, the natural person, the natural human, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him or her, Okay? Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural world. Now in the world that we live in, a naturalist is one that studies natural history and philosophy or physics and is versed in natural history. So nature is not merely, you know, trees and rocks and creatures and plants. It's a way of looking at things also, the natural world. You know, there's well-known naturalists like oh, Emerson and Thoreau and Darwin and all these people that wrote. Uh, one of the lists I looked up of, of, of uh, well-known, they might say, or whatever naturalists, was the old crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. Uh, for years, I was not too far from his place, been there a couple of times, saw him do a demonstration many, many years ago, over way over 20-some years ago. And I would say this to you. That all those people, and you take him, for example, 
he was, as we would point out, and, and he was unashamedly a, a absolute sold-out evolutionist, okay? And you, the naturalist and the evolutionist go together because what they're studying is they're versed in natural history. However, many of their beliefs about natural history are not solid. Many of their beliefs are based upon conjecture. Now, that's not what I want to point your attention to today. It's not about like creation versus evolution. It's a larger picture. Because I want you to think about the natural world, and I'm going to paint a little picture from Scripture so you understand that many times you're not dealing with end-time things. Now, no doubt we're at the end times because we're further along than we've ever been, okay? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, you get to the end of a work day. Uh, when we were working those tens, I would, uh, in my mind, I would break off the day in periods of 10%. First hour is 10%. Second hour is another 10%. So there was a time when you got to 50%, okay, so let's say, let's say you're starting at, your day starts, say it runs from 7.30 to 5.30, just for example. Well, at 12.30, I'm at 50%. Well, up to then, I got, well, I got 80 to go, got 70 to go, got 60 to go. When you hit 50, praise the Lord, you can go, well, I got 40, 50 to go and 40 to go. Up until then, I would say, well, I've got 10% down, 20% is down, 30% is down. When you, when you hit the hump and come over there, then you're going down. Okay, so... So when we think about time and we think about things, it depends on how we view it, okay? So 2 Peter chapter 2, we're going to, I'm going to read you something in there in just a minute. When we think of the natural world and we think of the end times and what I'm saying about the day, it's obviously, look, we're at 2022, July 2022. So we're further down the track than we've ever been, further down the path than we've ever been. How much further, we don't know exactly. And you don't know. And all this stuff that's occupying believers' times is silly. It's silly. And it, I believe with all my heart, it's a waste and a distraction. Because he, he said the Lord Jesus wasn't allowed to know because he would have told his disciples exactly when he's come back because they were his friends. And he loved them to the end. So we're living in the natural world, and what we need to do is understand that there are some things that indicate, you know, we're getting to the end of the age, but there's many things that are true today of the natural world that have always been like this, and they may not have always been like this in your neighborhood, and because they were not always like this in your neighborhood, then you are tempted sometimes to think, as a Christian, that we're at the total end. This is the worst it's ever been. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, if you live in the United States of America, there are cities where it's bad. It's bad. But if you'd read your Old Testament, you'd find out that it's not as bad as it was then yet. Now, that's not being a prophet of doom. But it is, you know, if you're forewarned, you're forearmed. And I don't mean you're forewarned and forearmed as in taking up arms. I mean, you're ready to have the right heart and mind to do those things. Let me read you a verse, for example. 2 Peter 2.12, But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. 
as natural brute beasts. In other words, nature is brutal. Just regular old nature. And, and this is what I want you to get, get a hold of with me. Nature is brutal. Uh, think about it. What do you learn early on by observation as a kid? Insects eat insects. And uh, stuff eats each other, doesn't it? It wasn't made that way. It wasn't created that way. But it is that way today. Why? It's brutal. I mean, you think about some of the stuff that, that you could watch if you were looking at Back, you know, back before they even had it on TV, they'd have the magazine, Natural Geographic, and they would have their, you know, the lion hunt and this hunt, and they would have the frog with the long tongue, and they'd have, you know, still action photos where you'd reach out there and get him a bug. Well, that's all good and well for the frog, but how would you feel if you're the bug? Amen. So the world is brutal. When Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he's describing the last days, he said, without natural affection. So in Romans 1, we find out that natural affection can go beyond, okay? It can get perverted. To pervert something is simply to turn it away from the truth or propriety or its proper use. So in Romans 1, 26 to 31, he says, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, etc. So you got to understand something. Much of the natural sins of the world have always been that way. Why do you think Paul had to write in the New Testament to Christians telling them of abstain from, avoid, run from fornication? Well, that's a natural world immorality in God's eyes. Understand that? The natural world is a mess. And most believers have forgotten, maybe because of the neighborhood they lived in, maybe because news is so prevalent and so widespread, and people got to find something to write about, and people got to find something to publish, and of course on their phones and their computers and their television there's all this stuff but most believers don't understand the natural world since the garden as a whole the natural world is cruel if you're a worm that bird is cruel i was watching the other day some birds early in the morning got a cup of coffee watching them daylight starts to break i love the beginning end of a day you know that sunrise coming up and just when it starts, and I'm sure part of it goes with growing up and uh, we would feed those horses. I mean, all my young years, feed them before daylight. And then you, I can still picture right now in my mind's eyes, the light would, the sun would begin to come up. The sun, the sun itself wasn't even over the horizon yet up above, but you know, the daylight would start to creep in through the windows of the barn and down the shed row and you'd begin working. <coughs> I can remember sunset. And Gary Duty's song says, let's call it a day. Every time I hear that or think about it, I, I think about how good it felt at the end of a day for my dad or the boss man to say, okay, fellas, let's call it a day. That's sunset. And it's a wonderful thing. I was sitting there watching. And then I noticed a couple of the birds. And it's early in the morning, right? So what do we always say? The early bird gets the worm. 
Well, I guess the worms say the early worm gets eaten by the bird. I don't know. But he's sitting there behaving himself, looking on guard. Boom, he pounces, and I mean he got him a big old worm. Now, if you're a worm, it's a cruel world. If you're a lamb or a calf, and that coyote or that wolf or that predator, I can remember even, even when I was a young fellow, uh, we had horses and stuff, but one place that we had, we were keeping an eye on some cattle for the guy who owned it. And I went out one morning. I remember this plain as day. I was a teenager. Went out one morning, and uh, in the old pickup truck. And I was out there checking on things. And one of those cows had calved that night early. And there was probably five, six. There was at least five, five or six feral dogs. Dogs had gone wild. Somebody had just let them go. They'd run off and run together. And they had brought that calf down, that little brand new calf, and were chewing on it. And I mean, I chased them across the field of that truck, you know, and going to shoot them and all kind of stuff if I caught them. The world's cruel, you know, uh, right? Yeah. Was I reading the other day somewhere, it, it probably down south, probably in Florida, uh, gators, you know, when you're down under, it's crocodiles with gator. Woman fell in some water by her house. A couple gators got her. The world's cruel. The natural world is cruel. Now, I understand there's perversions out there. There are. And they're t taking the use of the man and the woman and messing it all up. I get that. But in its natural context, I just, I hope I can get this picture to you. In its natural context, the world is cruel. It's a brutal place. It's brutal. If you ever watched an animal catch something idiot, I've watched them. It's, it's been out there doing different stuff in the field or out and <coughs> hunting or fishing. And you, I mean, you fellows who fish, uh, you might be using, you know, artificial baits, a big deal nowadays because you can sell more of it and ship it through the mail and all that. But they're trying to, they're attacking something. They attack it. And so the world is cruel. The natural world is brutal, even without the perversions. Okay. The perversions. you say, well, there's more perversion than ever. Well, you, you might, I'm not even going into that today, but you need to read your history and you need to go to other parts of the world besides your just little, your little neighborhood that you grew up in. But let's move on for a minute. Okay, please. In nature, there's some restraint. For example, Paul said in Romans 2.14, when the Gentile, when the Gentiles, which have not the law, like the law of God, the Bible, do that do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law or a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. There is, there is some restraint, okay? Some witness. And yet Paul said when he wrote the Ephesians, he said we were by nature, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, the children of disobedience. If you have your Bible handy, grab Galatians 5. We'll go there for a minute. This is something I think Christians have lost sight of what I'm about to say. And mark it down, Galatians 5, at the very least, okay, verse 17 down through verse 23. And at the very least, verse 19 and verse through verse 21. Because here's what I want to say to you. Do you realize that a Christian without fruit of the Spirit, the true working of the Holy Ghost is capable of any of these things in here by nature. Okay? By nature. Because of the natural 
world and the natural man, it's called. Look with me in verse uh, 17. Galatians 5. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, capital S, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Without what? Notice the word contrary, okay? But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now watch. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So these things are the natural world in action. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, <laughs> murders, drunkenness, revelings, and of such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, which they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So he didn't say you, you're not going to heaven if you do one of those things, but here he is saying, Christian, <clears throat> when you let the natural world influence you, it's affecting your inheritance. That's that word inherit in your King James Bible. They're affecting your inheritance. But let me back up a bit. If you went down through this list and you applied the Bible teaching, now there, there's so many things in here that you, you, we're not going to do it in this message. But each one of those things has both a physical and a spiritual slash social, emotional, mental equivalent. Adultery, that's the actual act of betraying your spouse. Okay, but there's also spiritual adultery with that. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Listen, he says covetousness in Colossians, which is idolatry. Witchcraft, stubbornness and iniquity, Old Testament. Hatred, oh my. Variance, just having to have a different opinion. You ever met somebody that if you said it was daylight, they'd say it was night just because they're going to say it different. I knew a couple people like that one time, and I would purposely, honestly, no one else even knew I was doing it, but I'd bait them. I would. I'd say something knowing that they were going to be variant about it, and when they did, they're going to tie themselves in a knot. I couldn't resist it. Uh, emulations, copying people, wanting to be like people, wearing people's number around and, and dressing like them and all that. Uh, Kate, wrath, oh, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, uh, we could go through the whole list. Here's my point. Do you realize that a Christian's life is, as in verse 17, contrary to the natural world? Okay? Contrary to the natural world. So the natural is easy. The natural is easy. And that's what we have to understand. The natural is easy. So while we're doing these things, expect the natural from the natural world. Expect it. It's going to happen. Now I want to put you in a mind. Go to Matthew 15. Let's look at Matthew 15 for a minute. And then I'm just going to make a few comments about the natural. Matthew chapter 15, and I'm going to refer to Genesis chapter 4. Now, in the book of Genesis, you remember, if you've read it much, man is created, as in humans, Adam and Eve, 
God gives them this amazing environment. He gives them the key to eternity, the tree of life. They neglect the tree of life. Here's how you know they did. Is they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before they ate of the tree of life. And God said, I can't let you eat of the tree of life now or you'll be an eternal monstrosity, eternally damned, eternally fallen. I can't let you. So instead of eating of every tree of the garden except the one, they did the opposite. Okay? So in Matthew 15, the Lord Jesus Christ says, do you not, this is Matthew 15, verse 17, do you not, do ye yet, do you not ye yet understand? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the bellies, cast out into the draft. It's gone. You pass it. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. Woman, boy, or girl. For the heart, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. It's like this. Bob Jones Sr. said, what one sinner has done, any other sinner could do or saint under the right provocation. You see, where did death come from? Romans 5 tells us plainly from one person, Adam. Wherefore, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. And that is going to be the starting point for, the, for four little thoughts. Our introduction was the longest part of this, four little thoughts. But just remember, where did death come from? Sin. Where did sin come from? One man. And he passed it on to the human race. You can't change that. You can't argue about it. I suppose you can, but you might as well be talking to a brick wall. Four things. Number one, life starts natural. Seed was seed. Life is begat. Listen, when man and woman come together, male and female, and the seeds come together, life is begat. It doesn't matter if they're married. It doesn't matter if they're committed or not. Life ends up getting begat in many cases. So life starts natural. So whether it's an interaction between a man and a woman who are committed and love God, but 99% of the world isn't, and so they might come together. They might be married in their society. They may not be. They might not be committed at all. Uh, you read your Bible, you know, adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, all that stuff goes on in the natural world. It has been going on before there was ever perversions. So understand the difference between the extreme perversions, but this big area called the natural world. Life starts natural. You know, they used to talk about natural, you know, birthing and natural, all that. Okay. Well, you're born natural. There's some twist genetically and all that. But life starts natural and it's a deception because it all originated with God making Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1. In the beginning was the word, John 1. Life starts natural. And I'm going to say the four points and come back and weave them together. Number two. Life is sustained naturally. Air, water, food, sunlight, sleep, communication, love, 
interaction. Now, it ends up being a pattern for supernatural life, spiritual life. But life is sustained naturally. Uh, I'll give you an example. People get rid of an old appliance. I was helping get rid of an old, you know, chest-type freezer, old. So what we did, I did, I took those hinges off, took that lid off, made it where it couldn't possibly be on there. Why? Because somebody could fall in there and that lid fall down, some kid playing in particular, and in any time at all, what's going to happen? He's going to ex exhaust the oxygen, the air. And because life is sustained naturally, his life's over. His physical life. And there are probably more things than the water and the food and the air and the sunlight and the sleep and the communication and love. But you get my idea. The idea is this. Life is sustained naturally. Now, I realize some people abuse their body and, and yet they might live 60, 70, 80, or 100 years. Someone else might die at 60. I don't know. But I know basically life starts natural and then it is sustained naturally. Now, because it starts natural, you are, you are a child of Adam's line. The Bible is the only source on the face of the earth that can tell you all about so-called prehistoric times. That is from the beginning of man to now 6,000 years. So number three, life stops naturally. Life starts naturally. It's sustained naturally. It stops naturally. You say, no, no, no. Yeah, death is a natural part of natural life. Mark it down. Death is a natural part of natural life. And it doesn't matter how long maybe some sea turtle, for example, can live or some animal that lives 100 or 200 years or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still death. Life stops naturally and death is a part of it. Remember the little poem says the clock of life is round, wound but once and no man has the power to know just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. For those of you who think that everything always ran off of batteries or uh, like like the watch I'm looking at, you know, they're so cheap nowadays, the eco drive. You, you know what it is? Sunlight. But the clock of life is like the old clock where you wound it and then it ran clock of life is wound but once and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour in my lifetime in my family i've seen it stop at 15 years old i've seen it stop at 54 years old i've seen it stop at 60 years old yeah sometimes it goes on to 80 it is healthy to live in light of, not obsessed with, not obsessed with, but to live in light of the fact that life stops naturally and you better face that fact. Not to be cold-hearted, but to be prepared. Forewarned is forearmed. One of the modern things today is to say they went out doing something they loved. Well, okay, fine. But are they going to God or are they going to hell? They go into eternal life or eternal death because number four, life is secured, secured supernaturally. There is a life that is death eternally. So in reality, it's no life at all. It's called the second death and it lasts forever. There is a life that is supernatural. Super means above or beyond. 
or over or excessive. There is a life that is supernatural. It's called you must be born again. You get born again, you've got a new life. Born once, die twice, right? Born twice, die once. Now in this life, you've still got to follow. Now listen, the basic laws of natural life. But the supernatural life is here already as well as there in a believer. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 before we close. We might spend a few minutes here. We, we might have a couple minutes up our sleeve here. So life starts natural. So when you're talking to people about their soul... You, you've got to believe this. You've got to understand and believe it. Not to hammer them, but to try to help them understand that you know that we're all born of Adam's seed. And it, is, it starts natural. It's sustained naturally, but it stops naturally, and it is only secured supernaturally. Romans chapter 8. Think about this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, if your Bible takes out the little phrase, who walk not after the flesh, I wouldn't trust it if it was me. The reason I wouldn't trust it is because there is a condemnation if I walk after the flesh, not a damnation in hell, but I can lose some of my rewards and my status in eternity, my glory before God, if I walk after myself. But here's the key. We're to learn and to live in the laws of supernatural life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That doesn't mean I can follow any impulse I have, etc. It means I have this opportunity to live supernaturally down here. Now you're going to not know. Hold it, hold it. You're not, it's not some high emotional high it's not your bulletproof and all that. Oh, no. In fact, it means you got to exercise and think about and learn and walk. For what the law could not do, and then it was weak through the flesh. See, because life stops naturally. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That, this is a powerful verse. I mean, if you get a hold of a truth, you should let this sink in this week that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. God's aim and all that stuff he's written is that it would be fulfilled in you while you're on earth. And it wouldn't make you better than everybody else or higher. In fact, it would make you more humble to know that the, the holiness of God can help you to live supernaturally while digging a ditch right? While in traffic, while there's problems and trials and troubles and persecutions and disappointments, life is secured supernaturally. Now, my main burden is that you get a hold of this thing that there is a life in the natural world that is just the natural world at work. And rather than the Christians spending all their time on how bad it is, never been this bad, realize, read your Old Testament. It's been really bad. It's been much worse in most, let's take the United States of America, for example. It's been much worse in other parts of the world 
It's been much worse in the Old Testament. It's been much worse in first century, second century Christianity when Rome was using them as human torches. Much worse. So get that idea out of your head. Now wait, and it's going to get much worse. Do not listen to this, this post and all millennial approach that is very sneaky today about bringing in the kingdom. You're not going to bring in anything. Hopefully we can bring in some sheaves, but that's up to God to do. You sow another waters and God gives the increase. It is not based on how much you do. Those of you who are in ministry, I would challenge you. Go for a year without appealing to the value of your ministry by how much of anything you do. How many times you preach, how many tracks, uh, how many miles traveled. I, I read all this stuff all the time. No, just give a witness that you're doing the best you can. You're staying busy. And, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Forget all the numbers. What if those numbers mean nothing to God? In fact, what if those numbers God says, now, why are you quoting all these numbers? Do you really think those numbers mean you're doing more than if you, someone else didn't have the same numbers? Why am I saying that? Because the natural world measures things by numbers. They measure things by volume. God has never measure, measured anything by volume. The widow's might was obviously not by volume. Okay? The natural world is going to be natural. Now there is, there are extremes. Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, I get it where they've lost and, for, and left the natural use. I get that. But a lot of things that Christians are all upset about are part of the natural world. You and I are the ones who are supposed to be supernatural, not the world around you to make it easier. Life starts natural. So it's going to be that way. Life is sustained naturally. We, can't, we, we shouldn't even try to violate that. Life stops naturally. We should be aware of it. This could be your last day. This could be my last day. This could be my last breath. But life is secured super naturally. I trust maybe you'll get time today or this week to read Romans 8. I pray you'd go away and do that. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this time in your book. We pray the old Father that you'd use it. You'd draw hearts and minds, help people to get their clarity and focus going that we might be more effective for Thee in our devotion to You, in our walk, Lord. That You, Father, You, Lord Jesus, would be the standard. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.